Okay, good morning, everybody. Hope everybody's well. Happy Friday. Hope everyone's doing great. Happy, healthy, empowered day to all. Today we're going to do straight up day. I didn't get enough questions. So if you want to do daily Q&A, just let me know, um, and then we'll do it for next week. But for now, let's continue with what we've been talking about. A new microphone, as you can tell. Sponsored by uh, Project Inspire. Thank them for that. And for those who don't know, we have a week- weekly show with them every Thursday at 8 p.m. called The Shabbat Show. Check it out. And of course, good morning to my brother in arms here, Andy Boltax and the entire Momentum team. We've been talking about enthusiasm, zeal, zirizut. This concept that waiting to feel something is not enough. Waiting to feel isn't enough. We have a trait, a muscle, a piece inside us that we need to use specifically when we don't feel it. That's the muscle. Feeling it, we get to ride the emotion. That's not a muscle. That's the spiritual equivalent of adrenaline or even the neurological equivalent of adrenaline. You know, the stories of, of the mom that walks down the street and sees her kid pinned behind a car and lifts the car up. That stuff happens. We have rushes of adrenaline that sort of give us quote-unquote superpowers, but it just doesn't last. Not the muscle. So feeling something to do something is, is great. It just doesn't last. And if we're going to require energy to be expended only when I have an emotion coming in, If the way my life works is I get emotion and I convert it into energy, the world better really work for us. And we can be almost positive that we will not accomplish great things because that's just not how great things work. It's just not the nature of what it takes to be great at things, to be able to bank on an inbound emotion to carry us through whatever we're doing. And that, by the way, is the 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 peaks and valleys of life. It's the nature of how a long-term relationship works. There are highs and there are lows. And unless we've got a muscle to get us through the lows, we're not really going to be as great as we can be every single day. When you walk into your office, if you're the manager or if you're an employee, and depending on how you feel that day will be will will determine what the day is like. That's that's insane. That's not greatness. So how does it work? And we've been speaking about the muscle that we have called zeal. It's a trait. And you go to it when you don't feel it. Specifically when you don't feel it. That's when you go to that's when you go to it. You walk into a room, you don't feel it. You wake up in the morning, you don't feel it. You, you, you get threatened. Do you ever have this feeling when like something happens? Like you ever have this like when you walk into a room and like something happens 
you get a phone call, or you see somebody or someone says something or you remember something. You ever have this where like you're about to do something and like a second beforehand, you're like, oh my God, I forgot to call. You ever have that? Oh my God, I forgot to call. Or what did I say? And now like your head is spinning. Now you got to walk into the next thing. And that needs your full attention. What do you do? You got to go somewhere. You go to zeal. You go to Zerizus. You go to this muscle that you've been developing now in the winter of your life. That's been building and strong and strong and strong. You go to the, so to speak, the spiritual gym every day called life. And you work this muscle and then when you need it, you got it. So we spoke yesterday about this idea of the two elements of zeal and one is fast acting. The other is maximum strength. You can thank Tylenol for that ability to remember zeal or Advil. I don't know. I think it's Advil. I used this cup today. I just was feeling in the mood. Thank you to my friend, Ralph Gav Friedman, who bought this for me. Wake up and be awesome. With a little crown. Because you become a king when you act this way, I think. And as we build each of these pieces, we have to understand the blocks that's in front of us. So many times in life, we spoke yesterday about this idea that life seems to send us opportunities packaged in challenge, which pits against our natural inclination to be lazy which comes from the earth that is one of the fundamental elements of which we've been created by, which is this week's Torah portion. Our name in Hebrew is Adam. Adam is mankind. And Adam is from the word Adama, which is the ground. So if you feel lethargic or lazy or uninterested in time, that's called being normal. Nothing wrong with you. We all feel that way. So what ends up happening is we get pitted against these, these two conflicting things, the opportunity that is in front of us that we should be doing every day. We should have made that call. We should really walk into the office and have that conversation. We really should be finishing up that project. We really should be writing that email, right? We, we, there are things that we know we got to do every day. And there's the, oh, I don't want to. And what we do in the middle is we rationalize rationalization is the way we deal with this cognitive dissonance that we should be more. We know it. We can like sense it and feel it and understand it. And we don't want to go through that. We don't want to go through that and feel bad about ourselves. We really don't like that. We don't like feeling bad about ourselves. We like feeling good about ourselves. So in order to feel good about ourselves and still not work hard, we rationalize. There's a great book that I'm reading right now, thanks to my good friend, Rabbi Rubin of Bragamoff. He gave me this book. You should read it. It's awesome. I hope everybody can see it. It's called Everyday Holiness. It's from a man named Alan Marinus. Everyday Holiness. I hope everyone can see it with the... He has a piece in there called The Power of Rationalization. It speaks about this concept through one of the great masters 
called the Altar of Navardic. He wrote a book. These, these, these people are giants. We're, we're like we're like resting off the off the shoulders of people whose whole lives are built on building themselves up in a spiritual way. And here's what he writes: that people in life would be go through a list of if onlys. I'd give so much charity if only I were wealthier. I'd study and learn so much if only I was smarter. I'd be so helpful to my friends if only I was stronger. And all of its rationalization, nowhere do we find a rationalization more perfected than in the case of the lazy bones, he writes. This is so critical. A lazy person shines with brilliance in creating excuses for why he or she cannot accomplish some task. And this is the line that I love. Listen to this line. I wrote this in my book the first time I read this. This is one of those lines that you have to put up on your walls every morning. King Solomon captures this idea in the book of Proverbs. A lazy person considers himself wiser than seven sages. How true is that? A lazy person considers himself wiser than seven sages. We rationalize why we can't do things. So when the thing comes our way, the way we deal with it is, I would, but I can't. I would, but it's too late, early, can't do it, I'm not ready for it. And in this world of rationalization, what we do is... We find good reasons to stay mediocre because the truth is we don't really know what we can and can't do until we do it. We don't really know what I'm capable of until I've actually gone through it. And the reason for this is because if I am built with a piece of the infinite, that means that my core source can do so much more than even I can understand. If my brain is finite and mostly derives from experiences, so if my brain, which is neuroplastic, mostly only has the past to look to to see if I can accomplish something, so I'm inherently limited in what I can know. We can only know what we know. So I only know I can do something intellectually, because it's in my brain. Did I do this before? Did I do anything like this before? Am I prepared for this? So when we come up against the task, we're going back. Have I ever stayed up that late? Did I ever have that conversation? Did I ever, did I ever present in public? Could I, did I ever take over something? Did I ever have a difficult conversation that worked out well? And now we're like trying to figure it out. Did I, didn't I? Well, is it like this? Right? As they say, most people live by analogy. This is a big aspect in the business world, especially people that live in the world of venture capitalists. Venture capitalism is a part of the business world that invests in smaller or growing companies. And one of the great maxims of that world is that most companies exist by analogy. This is the Uber of, right? This is the... Um, Airbnb of, 
They're not creating something that's unique. They're taking Uber, which is designed for cars, and they're saying, ah, I know what it'll do. I'll create an Uber for. They're analogizing, which is why lots of companies, they're good, but they're not game changers. The unicorns, the, 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 the great ideas, if you will, maybe by analogy, but also maybe brand new concepts. It's so much harder to do a brand new concept. But we're living our lives that way, which is we live by analogy. Can I do something? I don't know. I am, this is the, you know, business presentation, relationship conversation, uh, not eating, getting more active in my synagogue, what, of, oh, when I was a kid, I got involved. Oh, well, I, you know, I was able to do it when I was set. I, you know, 10 years ago, I presented and worked out okay. I spoke at my, my brother's engagement part, right? We're, we're, we're living by analogy because all we're really going towards is to a, a finite brain, which has to derive something from somewhere. So if we're neural, if our brain is a computer that basically solidifies the information that is within it, all I have is the information that is within it. That's a finite amount of information. It may be 10 times more than I think it is because of my unconscious and subconscious brain. Fine, but it's still finite. We don't know what it's like. I don't know what it's like to, uh, I have no context for growing up in India. I have no idea how to, I, I have no ability to even derive anything. So when you're in front of something, that's when we start making choices and rationalizations. But what if we had something else? What if we had an infinite soul? That infinite soul is not bound by our brains. That infinite soul isn't bound by what we can and can't do. That infinite soul is incredibly powerful. And the fact that it's in a body means that it actually can survive and thrive and channel energy into the physical world. If the physical soul if the, I'm sorry, if the, if the spiritual, if the, if the infinite soul is able somehow to provide an energy that allows the body to, to exist, and if the soul were absent from the body, the body wouldn't exist. That is the basis of our whole theological foundation, which we can get to in a whole conversation if you want to hear the more the Kabbalistic approach to it. And for those that are familiar with these concepts of a halal panoi and a kav, it's a whole nother story. But the basics of what we believe is that once the soul leaves the body, the body doesn't function. That means that the soul is sustaining a physical thing. That means spirituality, infiniteness, is somehow able to power physical. So why can't we channel that to more physical? Why can't we channel that to the more things in our lives? Can you imagine if I'm taking not my intellectual brain and my physical abilities, but if I'm able to channel my spiritual powers into this world, what I could accomplish? How do I do that? Here's how we do it. When our brain says you can't and we should, we say, how do you know, brain? What do you got? You're a computer. Out of your mind, you work for me. I don't work for you. 
I don't work for my brain. The brain works for me. And I'm a soul. And stuff's got to happen. And I'm not going to wait my whole life and get to the end of it and look back at all the things I could have done and only then realize, holy cow, what was I doing? What was I scared of? A little less sleep? A couple of uncomfortable moments? I just had this conversation with somebody who wants so badly to do something, really. But there's this little wall he has to climb when it starts. In the beginning of the activity that he wants to do, it's hard in the first five minutes. It's just a little uncomfortable in the beginning and he just can't get past that. And I'm like, you know, you've done this before. Just push past the, the, the beginning of the discomfort that when you walk into the room, when you stand behind the podium, when you get on the airplane, when, whatever it is that we have, there's always that like beginning. I'm like, just, you know it, you know it. His brain is just, forget, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. I'm like, operate from here. Shine from here. That's what this whole trait is bringing out in us. That's this whole concept that we spoke earlier this week about, about cleaning the trait to let the, the light shine through. We've got this trait inside us called zeal. And it's blocked by the rationalizations of our brain trying appropriately to keep us comfortable. Remember, it's okay for us to say, we've got a system called survival. Survival needs to conserve energy. It is normal for me to feel like I don't want to expend energy. That's how I'm built. There's nothing wrong with us for wanting to not do hard things. But we are given the opportunity to live in this world and to upgrade the system from survival to excellence. And we upgrade the system through our traits. And one of the traits that we have is when I don't feel like I want to, I need to be fast acting, stop thinking all the time. And I don't mean overworking and I don't mean to a point where I'm going to die. And I don't mean being a schmata. Use common sense. But the overthinking is what kills us. Let me read one more thing, one more passage. This is um, from another book that he quotes. The book is called Cheshbon HaNefesh. It's written by a rabbi named Menachem Mendel Lefin. Lefin. Listen to what he says. It's so beautiful, so powerful, so insightful. He says, there are people who are intelligent and quick in a certain field of learning or in a certain craft, but who lack ideas or experience in other fields. This is what I'm talking about, right? Other fields. I don't have the background for this. When faced with a situation which with they are, in which they are unfamiliar, they think and reflect and ponder, and then they consult and think again. Intermutably. This one's virtue is in truth one's problem. Because humans are intelligent, they can always find endless rationales to support different courses of action. Because of one's inability to reach a final decision, 
opportunity passes by or one delays an enterprise with hesitations for days or years, thus sacrificing their benefits for long periods of time. You see how this works. We've all done it. Thinking and overthinking, which then basically enables us to miss opportunities. And as they pass by, we're still thinking, should I, shouldn't I, should I, shouldn't I? Now, how too much, too little, that's called life. But we all know there's at least one thing every day that I'm pulling back from, that I need to go to my muscle called zeal to get. And that's our challenge. That's our challenge now, this weekend. Our challenge for the weekend is to, is to start to go to the gym and work this muscle. That's what I'm going to try to do over the weekend, and I hope that, uh, that you do as well. Let's try together. Let's grow together. Look at something that happens over this weekend and listen to your brain say, nah, you shouldn't. And if you think you should, let's do something this weekend that we don't feel any enthusiasm for. But we do it anyways with enthusiasm. If we can go one time this weekend exercise this muscle, we'll start to forge a new path of operating from our soul, of living with a little more zeal and creating a pathway, a pathway that allows us to become great even when we don't want to. All right, we'll continue. Have a great weekend, everybody. Good Shabbos, Shabbat Shalom. Thank you so much for being back. It's an honor to be with you again with God's help. I cannot wait to see you again Sunday morning, 9 a.m. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to growing in this area. I know it's something that I want to work on more, and I hope that you as well. Okay. Have a great, great weekend. Shabbat Shalom. Looking forward to seeing you with God's help. Looking forward to seeing you next weekend. Next week.